Tonight we are back in our study of Proverbs, God's wisdom recorded and given to us. We've had a gap of 30 days uh, at least as we've gone through our study of First and Second Peter. And I want you to be sure and notice as we jump back tonight, all of God's word is truth. And all of God's word, not just this book, but all of God's word contains his wisdom. And then notice this, it all ties together. It all fits together. In First and Second Peter, he told us to know the truth, know the truth. He told us to stand on the truth, and he told us to be prepared in the truth. We saw how necessary that is, how needed that's going to be. We're to be prepared in the truth. Well, our study on Sunday nights in Proverbs is exactly that. God is preparing us in his truth. And so listen tonight, be very sure tonight, we will be better off when we leave this hour, as we leave this hour. Now, there's a lot of things you could do, a lot of things you can invest your time in that you couldn't say that, but I can promise you we will leave this hour better off than when we came into it. That is the promise and the provision of Scripture. So let me just tell you tonight, good job being here, a good job tuning in if you're listening in some other way. We will leave, we will depart out of this hour better off for having heard the word of God. All right, let's go to our verses tonight. We, we pick up in a group of Proverbs, if you remember, called the 30 sayings. And that's the section that we are in. Uh, these are 30 quick, succinct, specific pieces of wisdom that God wants us to have. Now, that's an important thing to think about. Uh, God wants us to have these pieces of wisdom. Here he has been in a greater set, been teaching us, and now he has deemed it necessary that we would have these 30 saints. Now, that's a wild thing. I, I think about that. God, in the midst of this bigger section of instruction, says, hey, know this. Be sure and get this. Be sure and don't miss these things. And then he breaks in and gives us these 30 sayings. Now, if you remember, it's been a while back. Uh, we left off with the 21st saying. Well, we're going to start back tonight. We're going to pick up in the 22nd saying. Things that God says, hey, be sure and get these truths. The 22nd saying, Proverbs chapter 24, verse 7. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 7. This is the 22nd saying. It says this. Wisdom is too exalted for a fool. He does not open his mouth in the gate. Wisdom is too exalted for a fool. He does not open his mouth in the gate. Now, let me tell you something. I like practical. When I, when I read something, when I hear something, I like something that is practical. This verse is very practical. Here's what it says. Wisdom is too exalted. Now, what that means is, it is too high. It is too lofty. It is too much. And so wisdom, God's, God's wisdom, uh, it's, it's too much. It's over the head of a fool. Now, the gate, the key to understanding this verse is the gate uh, in the city that they lived in was the central location where they would gather and where important matters were discussed. This thing has happened. Uh, there's something we need to try and figure out. It was a place where the deals were made. If you were to transfer property, if you were to make a deal, 
you would do it at the city gate. It was a place where decisions were settled. So here's, here's the saying of, of, of the, the wisdom of the saying. Wisdom is above a fool. And so it is pointless, it is worthless, it is of no help to hear them out. And so it's over their head, they're not able to understand it, they do not possess godly wisdom, and so it is a waste of time, it is pointless to hear them out. Now very simply what that is, is be discerning in who you listen to. Just because somebody shows up and they say they know something, just because they show up and they're in the midst of the city gate, the crowd, uh, they, they can be absent of godly wisdom. And so the Bible's telling us here, be discerning about who we listen to and do not waste your time listening to somebody that does not have godly wisdom. Now, when I think about that, that is, that is so timely today. Um, that is the day we're living in. We live in an age where everybody's talking. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody knows something. We live in a day where those, those things can go out. And here's the fact, most of them aren't worth listening to. And so the Bible says, don't waste your time. Just because they show up and claim to know something, don't listen to them. Don't waste your time listening to somebody that does not have godly wisdom. Saying 22, verse 7, wisdom is too exalted for a fool. He does not open his mouth in the gate. All right, moving to verse, to saying 23, Verses 8 and 9. Saying 23, verses 8 and 9. Saying 23 says this. One who plans to do evil, men will call a schemer. The devising of folly is sin, and the scoffer is an abomination to men. Listen to that again. One who plans to do evil, men will call a schemer. The devising of folly is sin. And the scoffer is an abomination to men. Now, there's, there's a lot going on in this verse. The, the main thing of this verse is this is a teaching telling us to be careful of our reputation. Now, let me explain this to you. A person who schemes becomes known as a schemer. Now, isn't that the truth? Think about that. Don't you know people... And they've always got a scheme they're trying to pull off. They've always got something they're trying to pull over on somebody. And, and that's how they operate. That's how they work. And it's not long before that person becomes known as a schemer. I tried to look it up. It's not in, in the original language, but I thought that was a politician. Uh, but that's, that doesn't match up. It could be in practice. A person who schemes becomes known as a schemer. Now, the first thing is this is a person to avoid. The, the verse tells us they are detrimental. They are harmful. And so you should be careful of who you listen to. Again, the same thing. But here's, here's a greater thing. You need to be careful not in just listening to them, but you also need to be careful in being with them, and you need to be careful in becoming them. Now, here's the point to that. Once you are known as a schemer, that reputation is almost impossible to break. And so you know what? If you're always traveling with the schemers and there's always a plot that's brewing and always a plan that's headed to evil and you're with those folks, or if you become those folks and you're the schemer, you're the one that plots evil, once that becomes your reputation, you're known 
as a schemer, that reputation's almost impossible to change. Saying 23, verses 8 and 9. One who plans to do evil, men will call a schemer. The devising of folly is sin, and the, and the scoffer is an abomination to men. All right, saying 24 tonight. It's found in verse 10, just one verse. If you are slack in the day of distress, your strength is limited. God wants us to know that. He thought that was important for us to know. If you are slack in the day of distress, your strength is limited. Now, verse 10, saying 24, is an encouragement. Now, think about it. It reminds us, it should remind us of, of the, the letters that Peter wrote. Uh, in the days of trouble, in the days of distress, in the days of difficulty, we have to be ready to stand. We have to be ready to go. Listen, when the day hits and the trouble comes and there's an affront on the church, there's an attack on the truth, when the trouble comes, we have to be ready to stand. Now, what that means is we cannot be asleep. We cannot be apathetic. We cannot be lazy. That's what slack means. We're slack. We're asleep. We're apathetic and lazy. No, when the trouble comes, we have to be ready. Now, here's what that means in our language. When it's go time, it's go time. When it's time to go, we better be ready to go. If you're not ready to go, you're not going to be strong. You're not going to be ready to, to stand. I think that's the whole thing that Peter was telling us about being stirred up, being stirred up. I, I thought about that the last couple weeks, uh, finishing up that series, thinking about those sermons. You know what? When the trouble comes, when the false teachers come, when the false teachings come, when the assault against the truth comes, it's not time to get ready. It's time to be ready. And I think that's what that verse is saying. When it's time to go, we have to be ready to go. Be sure tonight to stand as a Christian, to stand for the truth, and to persevere requires effort, requires strength, requires force. We must be ready when the time comes. Saying 24 is verse 10. If you are slack in the day of distress, your strength is limited. All right, saying 25. Now, I think saying 25 is a big deal. I think it's important for us today. Saying 25, verses 11 and 12. Deliver those who are being taken away to death. And those who are staggering to slaughter, oh, hold them back. If you say, see, we do not know this, does he not consider it who weighs the hearts? And does he not know it who keeps the soul? And will he not render it to man according to his work? Now, I want to read both those verses again. Deliver those who are being taken away to death. And those who are staggering to slaughter, oh, hold them back. If you say, see, we did not know this. Does he not consider it who weighs the hearts? And does he not know it who keeps your soul? And will he not render to man according to his work? Now, let me tell you the, the, the reality here. The, the reality is this. The Bible says those outside of Christ are perishing. They're not neutral. They're not deciding. They're not somewhere hanging in the balance. They are 
perishing. That's what the Bible says, guilty in their sin, condemned in their sin, they are perishing. They are literally walking, marching to their own end. I, I, I picture that. And the verse says, as they were in the days of Noah, they're eating and they're drinking and they're giving in marriage and yet their doom is coming. Well, it's the same thing here. They're laughing and they're joking and they're working and they're distracted and they're walking to their own end. Well, the wisdom of verse 11 is those who see that, those who know that, those who know where salvation lies, it is their duty, it is their responsibility to hold them back, to stop them. They're walking to, to their destruction. Uh, it's those folks' job to get in front of them. It's their job to get beside them. It's their job to, to do all they can. Friends, be sure of this. Any and every person outside of Christ is staggering to their death. Any person outside of a faith relationship with Jesus Christ, they are lost, they are condemned, and they are staggering to their death. Your friends, your coworkers, some of your family you will eat with this week. The Bible says deliver them, hold them back. Don't let it be without a fight. And I think about how silly it is that well, we don't want to bother with that. Well, we don't want to be, uh, we don't want to be uh, uh, in a conflict. The Bible says, do not let it be without a fight. I'm going to wear the subject out, but I, I may wear it out this month and switch off. I don't know. Does that sound like Calvinism to you? Does that sound like Calvinism to you? Calvinism says it's already decided. Reformed theology says it's already set. It's already decided before the foundation of the earth. It's not going to change. That's what that teaching says. And the Bible says, notice this, do something. That's what it says. Preach the gospel. Proclaim the good news. Hold up Jesus. Preach the word. Oh, hold them back. Listen to that. Hold them back. Deliver them. That's the call of a Christian. Verse 12 says this. And if you say, we didn't know. We didn't know. God knows. Listen to verse 12 again. If you say, see, we did not know this. Does he, God, not consider it who weighs the heart? He knows what you know. And does he not know it who keeps your soul? You're saved by the truth. He knows that. And will he not render to man according to his work? Now, I want you to be sure of this. Listen tonight. Be sure there is no one who deserves to be in heaven. And there is no one who earns heaven. And we do not keep heaven in our good works, whether it's witnessing or any other thing. But I want you to think about this. But can you imagine, here you are standing in heaven. And the reason you were saved is because you heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Somebody told you the gospel of Jesus Christ. They did whatever it took. And maybe they came to your class. Maybe they were your family member. Maybe they were somewhere in a church service. Maybe they were a coworker at the desk next to you. But they did whatever it took. They made the effort. They even sacrificed that you would hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Upon hearing it and receiving it, you were saved. And so here you are, and you're standing in heaven, and there's somebody that told you the gospel, whoever that person was, and there you are, 
having told no one. Can you imagine that? Having told no one. I, I don't know of a more regretful thing to be in heaven and have told no one. Fanny Crosby wrote this in 1869. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying, snatch them in pity from sin and the grave. Weep o'er the erring one, lift up the fallen, tell them of Jesus, the mighty to save. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is merciful, Jesus will save. Oh, hold them back. Do whatever it takes. Don't let them go without a fight. Preach the gospel. Tell them of a Savior mighty to save. Saying 25 verses 11 and 12, deliver those who are being taken away to death and those who are staggering to slaughter. Oh, hold them back. If you say, see, we did not know this. Does he not consider it who weighs the hearts? And does he not know it who keeps your soul? And will he not render to man according to his work. All right, saying 26 tonight. Saying 26 is found in verses 13 and 14. My son, eat honey for it is good. Yes, eat honey from the comb. It is sweet to your taste. Know that wisdom is thus for your soul. If you find it, then there will be a future and your hope will not be cut off. My son, eat honey for it is good. Yes, the honey from the comb, it is sweet to your taste. Know that wisdom is thus for your soul. And if you find it, there will be a future and your hope will not be cut off. Now, I want you to see this. Honey is sweet. We know that. Honey is good. It is good. Here's what the Bible says. And wisdom is the same. And the Bible says, not only that, if you find it, there will be a future. If you find it, there will be a hope. Your hope will not be cut off. Your hope will not end. Now, this is a discussion that I have a lot, uh, mostly with myself. And here's, here's the discussion. Why do we take in God's word? Why do we take in God's word? Why do we live by God's wisdom? Why do we live by God's wisdom? Is it an obedience? Yes. The Bible says we're to obey. So one of the reasons we do it is because of obedience. Is it to honor God? Yes, we take in God's word. We live in obedience trying to honor God. Yes. Is it because we love God? God? God says in his word, if you love me, keep my commandments. Yes. We listen to his word. We take in his word. We obey his word because we love God. But here's what the verse says. I don't know if you've ever heard me say this today, but this is the best way to live. That's what it's saying. This is actually the best way to live. There's less trouble, less hardship, less drama. There is a future in living in the Word of God. There is hope that doesn't get crushed living in the Word of God. It says it's the sweet way to live. That's what it says. That's a way to say it, it is the best way to live. It's the sweet way to live. I was, I was talking to one of my cousins this week, and, and he teaches a college class at his church. And, and he was saying, we were talking, and he says, you know, the best thing is just to take in the Word of God. And that's what I try and tell these college students. The best thing you can do is take in the Word of God. That's the best thing. And if you'll do it consistently, and he was saying some of the examples that he gives, the best thing is to take in the Word of God. If you will steadily do that, 
He was saying, it's going to shape you. It's going to lead you. It's going to change you. And then we got off the phone, and I was thinking, yeah, we don't believe it. We don't believe it. We say it's the best thing. It's the sweet thing. We don't believe it. And here's, here's the weirder part of that. The weirder thing is this. When we do it, we actually find out it is the best thing. And when we do it, we, we see that it proves true. And it's the best way to live. And God is honored and pleased with that. And yet we'll still let it drop. And I, and I go, I don't know what it would take. I don't know what it would take. I don't know what it would take to convince us. We'll, we'll still let it drop. We'll run through a season and go, well, I've got these things and this thing, and I'll pick it back up in the spring, and we let it drop. We let it fade. Listen, here's the point. Friends, this, the Word of God, is actually the best way to live. It is the sweet way to live. That's what the verse says. It is the best thing you can do. It's the best dividend that you can have is your, the investment of your time. And so here's the point to the saying 26. Get in the Word of God. Stay in the word of God. Saying 26, verses 13 and 14. My son, eat honey, for it is good. Yes, the honey from the comb is sweet to your taste. Know that wisdom is thus for your soul. If you find it, there will be a future, and your hope will not be cut off. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come tonight, and I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful for your truth. I pray that just these pieces tonight, that we would be zealous for your cause, that we'd be prepared to stand, that we would have no room for nonsense, that the, the fool talking at the gate, we have no time to listen to that. Lord, that we'd be ready to lead folks to Jesus Christ, and we wouldn't have an excuse. We wouldn't be without, an, we wouldn't be without the, the knowledge that those outside of Christ will perish. And Lord, I pray that we are diligent to hold them back. And then Lord, I pray that tonight, once again, that we would understand your word is truth, that your word is your grace shown to us, that your word is kind and it leads us, that your word is infinite in wisdom and we want the wisdom of God, you've given it to us. And I pray, Lord, that tonight we've been reminded it is the sweet way to live. Lord, let us take it in. I pray for our kids here listening tonight that they would understand if they do anything, Lord, help them to endeavor to take in the word of God. I pray for the, for the young folks here tonight, the students. I pray for the, for the younger folks in our, in our crowd tonight, those maybe that are recently married, those that are newly married. I pray, Lord, for those that are older, uh, maybe those that have lost a spouse, maybe those that are retired. I, I pray for the whole spectrum of folks that we would understand, Lord, your grace is shown to us in the study of your word. Help us to be committed to that. Help us to grow in that. And Lord, help it to bear fruit for your glory. Lord, I'm thankful for this now. I come and I again pray for our church that you would bless it, that you would lead it, that you would stand at the center of it. Lord, I pray for the upcoming events. I pray for December 5th that we would marvel, that our ladies would marvel at the truth of Emmanuel who steps in to flesh that he might save us. Lord, Lord, I pray for a, for a banquet on the 11th. I pray that there's fellowship and there's fun and that we're reminded that we're a family as we eat as a family. Lord, I pray for, for the messages we'll hear, the things we'll study. I pray, Lord, that you'd be at the center of those as well. I pray for our homes tonight. I pray for our dads tonight, for our moms. Pray for our kids tonight, some of our grandkids tonight. Lord, I, I pray that we would draw closer to you. 
And then we wouldn't have to keep banging our heads on a wall saying, what would it take? We would say, if we have all that we needed. We would, we would draw closer to you. I pray for folks that starting tonight, maybe tomorrow, we would spend time in your word. And then, Lord, I, I, I pray for the lost. I pray for those that outside of Christ are perishing now and will perish for eternity. Lord, I pray that that's a burden on my heart. That's a burden on our heart. And I pray that we would be diligent to lead them to Christ, to point them to the truth of Jesus Christ. Lord, I, I pray for all the things we've undertaken. I pray for all those shoe boxes that went out. I pray for a gospel influence to reach somebody somewhere. And I pray that they would hear of Jesus, a Savior, and that they would, they would find Christ in that process. Lord, again, we just come, we uphold all these things, and then we just say this again as we end this day. We thank you for you. We're thankful for your goodness. We're thankful for your kindness. We're thankful for your faithful character. We praise you tonight. We trust all this to you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen.